0: Hi, this is Varun Haran, Associate Editor with Information Security Media Group in Asia. I have the pleasure today of speaking with Christopher Novak, who is the Director and Co-Founder of Verizon's Investigative Response Unit, and also the Chief Author of the Data Breach Investigation Report. Chris is going to be speaking to us today about trends that he sees in the security landscape from both an attacker and a defender perspective. Hello, Chris. Thank you for speaking with me today.
1: It is my pleasure, and it's great to be speaking with you as well.
0: To start us off, you are the director of the investigative response unit at Verizon. So it would be interesting to hear what you have seen from your vantage point in the industry. Uh, What are some notable trends on both sides of the security fence globally? What's the latest?
1: Sure. So I think when you look at it from kind of a latest, kind of most fascinating, most interesting, there's a lot of kind of new things on the data breach frontier, if you will. Obviously, we've done a lot of analysis and analytics on breaches over the last probably good 10 to 15 years. We've been doing it for a very long time. And one of the key changes that we're starting to see in the market happening already is as it relates to things like breaches and security incidents around Internet of Things, or commonly referred to as IoT devices. As well as a significant increase in breaches and incidents around industrial control systems or SCADA systems, uh-huh. um, and then even there, branching out into you know all sorts of different things from medical devices to all sorts of other odd connected devices
0: maybe if you could share some interesting cases you've seen so far this year. I know we are months away from the DBIR, but anything that has you surprised as an expert? Sure. So I think, you know, probably
1: some of the more interesting cases, you know, one one in particular that I would say was interesting, and I'd always encourage folks to, to also look at our DBIR and our Data Breach Digest. Both of those reports contain a lot of information, as well as the Data Breach Digest actually specifically contains a lot of kind of case studies or war stories, if you will. But um, one in particular is as it relates to industrial control systems where an organization was breached, and in this particular situation, it was an organization that had their own on-campus steam power plant. Um, And so they would utilize this steam plant in order to generate power across the campus. And what they had actually done was over time, they said, hey, you know what, it would be more convenient for us to manage this remotely, so let's go ahead and make this plant accessible to our staff so they can look at things and manage things from home. And so what ended up Happening was while well, they enabled the remote access and remote controllability of the industrial control systems that essentially operated different pressure sensors and valves and things like that in the plants, what also ended up happening was a situation where that was an access that someone who was unauthorized was also able to gain. And so, what ultimately they did was they, they probed and scanned the perimeter of the organization, found a vulnerable um, web application utilizing that vulnerable web application, they were able to gain access further into the environment, do an escalation of privileges, and then once they had an escalation of privileges completed and had admin access to the environment, they were free to kind of laterally move around until they were able to identify this part of the steam plant. And at that point, things got really interesting because at that point, the staff started receiving alerts that there were pressure building up in pipes that should not exceed a certain threshold. And so people started looking into it, and what they found was someone had actually gained unauthorized access and was able to manipulate valves in order to affect those pressure issues. Now, thankfully, this is, you know, I often say that I don't necessarily have an opportunity to tell a story with a positive outcome. Most of the time, my stories have a negative outcome where something bad has happened. In this case, the organization actually was fortunate that they were able to identify it quick enough. They were able to respond and react and shut the system down before it caused a catastrophic failure. Um, But it it was a big learning lesson for this organization in terms of, you know, how they need to contemplate security in their big picture program, especially when they were enabling remote access into industrial controls environment because the big concern that I think didn't really cross their mind was they were looking at it from the perspective of, well, what would someone want with this environment? There's nothing interesting here. And in this particular case, what the person wanted was to play with valves and switches. In reality, we don't believe that there was actually any malicious intent as much as it was this particular actor was in the environment playing around with things, probably not even realizing the potential catastrophic damage they could have caused. but that also makes you think about all the threat actors that actually do mean harm or all the potential accidents that could happen if this security group was not able to respond and act in time to shut the system down. So that's just one example, but I've got hundreds more.
0: I think that's interesting because I think around the world we're hearing that security of operational technologies are gaining prominence with each passing day, but there isn't much understanding in terms of how securing these devices, these shop floor devices, SCADA devices and operational technology, how is it different from securing IT systems. And how is it being approached now? How should it be approached in your opinion?
1: Sure. Actually, that's a great point because actually that's one of the other headwinds that we often face or, or resistance that we often see is that in many organizations, the operational technology or the SCADA systems are usually owned and managed by a different division within the company and separate from IT. And in many cases, the IT group and the OT group They either don't frequently talk or when they do talk, they don't frequently agree on how things should be done. And it's interesting because in most organizations where you have an operational technology or an OT environment, Usually the OT environment has actually been around a lot longer than the IT environment has. You know, when you think about it, people who've been in IT probably feel like they've been doing it forever, but the reality of it is much of the industrial control systems, they could have a lifetime of 30, 40, 50, 60 years they could go back, maybe even more. And so in many cases what we're seeing is the challenge that the OT side has is one, usually they're less able to accept downtime. You know, for example, if you're a water treatment facility and in the town or the city or the village depends on clean water at the appropriate water pressure, you can't afford to be down for a couple of hours and people just not have water. Or if you're the power plant, you can't afford to just turn the power plant off for a day while you adjust a setting somewhere and reboot the systems. And so there's a lot of things like that that sometimes present interesting challenges on the OT side that the IT world maybe has never really contemplated or it's not as simple of a, an adjustment or a fix. And then you also have the challenges that kind of further complicate things is that since so much of what lives in the OT world is so old, a lot of it was never really designed to be connected to an IT environment. A lot of it was never designed to be accessible on the web or remotely or have any of these things that today we can do. And it creates a great level of efficiency for the staff that operate and manage it, but it creates a lot of security challenges as well because the tools and the equipment was never really designed to be operated in that way.
0: I have one last question for you before I let you go. You know, most of these industry reports, including the DBIR, they share that uh, your threat actors have been in the environment for quite some time. You know, some even say beyond a year, year and a half in this geography. On the one hand, you have that. And on the other hand, you have all the defenders, all the practitioners uh, treat the latest attacks or what they deem latest attacks are the ones they've discovered as the cutting edge of where the landscape is at. So would it be accurate to say that they are effectively a year behind these attackers in terms of uh, you know understanding what is really going on
1: So I I would say you could potentially read it that way. I think, again, part of it goes back to individuals and organizations being plugged into some kind of threat intel source to know what's actually happening out there because the challenge you have when you plan security, much like physical security, people plan physical security, the size of the door, the thickness of the concrete, the hardness of the lock, all of that is planned based on what you know the threat is or the threat that you want to protect yourself against. And if you don't necessarily know what the threat actors are capable of or what they're likely going to do to you, then you're really just kind of guessing or maybe using old or bad information to plan your security strategy. And that's one of those things that always concerns me is when I walk into an organization in particular, it's a red flag for me when anyone says, we've got it, we're we're good, we don't need help. Because in my mind, even the best organization in the world should look at security as something that we're never that confident that we're that good. We. We always look at an opportunity to understand if there's something we should be doing or that we're not doing or that we could be doing better or maybe just more efficiently but the idea that anyone is there and secure I think is uh you know it's a misnomer or a very false sense of security and I worry when I hear that.
0: Chris, it was my pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for taking the time.
1: It's been my pleasure.
0: And that was Chris Novak, Director of Investigative Response at Verizon Enterprise Solutions. For ISMG in Asia, this is Varun Haran. Thanks for listening.